Those of you visiting and joining us for the first time this morning, uh, that'll make a little more sense. Uh, let me catch you up that uh, we're actually, as Jared just mentioned, in a series we've called Life Hacks. And, and Life Hacks, or well, the expression Life Hacks is very much uh, something that's entered our vernacular. And we've defined it very simply as uh, a life hack is a clever and simple solution to a very annoying problem. And each week we've been uh, offering up some life hacks and I'll offer up a few this morning, but it's in the context of Jesus is better. And when you start to get to know Jesus and when we start to un- follow Him and when we start to get closer to Him, we actually discover, and you, if, if that's a new thing for you and you haven't uh, gone very far on the journey of, of, of getting close to Jesus, uh, the good news for you is what lies ahead is that Jesus is better. Jesus is better than your past. Jesus is better than your hurts. Jesus is better than anything. And uh, not only is Jesus better, but Jesus has better. Jesus has something better. And the mistake that we can make or the, 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 we can get stuck sometimes in certain situations or having certain circumstances in our life or certain patterns in our life that we've accepted to be normal. And we learn to cope and we learn to survive. And yet what we've been exploring in this series, Life Hacks, is that Jesus has something better. And in the first week, we tackled worry. Worry and anxiety is is an epidemic in 21st century Western culture. And in many uh, aspects, and even in some people that I know, in their lives, they've just accepted it as normal and as something of a life sentence. And yet we taught that we can actually hack worry with trust. If we learn to trust in God's care, we can actually learn to trust Him with our cares. The second week, we looked at this whole thing of happiness. And uh, happiness has become, again, a 21st century Western value. And God's not against happiness. I mean, if the opposite of happiness is sadness, that's not where God's kind of trying to angle the direction of our life over to sadness. But there's something that transcends happiness and this is joy, joy that is sustainable, joy that's not reliant on the circumstances of life, which do go up and down. And that we can actually hack happiness with gratitude, that it's actually not accumulation of stuff, it's actually gratitude that will see us living with sustainable joy. And then last week, uh, we talked about how to hack satisfaction with generosity. Satisfaction is like water. We can have it one minute and it slips through our fingers the next. And we can actually live instead of that, living with momentary satisfaction, circumstantial satisfaction. We can actually experience something better. And that is an everlasting satisfaction. And we talked about some (laughs) real practical stuff last week. We got real, talked about, Don't judge. Jesus said, don't judge. Don't judge. That's what he said, don't judge. Well, what does that mean? It means don't judge. Nothing cryptic about that. Real black and white, real straight up and down. Then he said, forgive. And it was important for us to understand that at the essence of forgiveness means that we don't give the person what they deserve. And that's why it's so hard because we, we're justice people and we've equated justice with punishment. If someone does something bad to us, then they gotta get their own back. But forgiveness says that it's not our job to ensure they get what they deserve. We'll just trust that God's got that. Our job is to 
not just release them with forgiveness, but ultimately actually to release ourselves. Because when we hold on to unforgiveness, unforgiveness actually holds on to us. Today, I wanna talk about hacking pain with purpose. Before I get into that, let me give you some pain hacks. The moment I'm in the process of chopping down and digging up some trees, and whilst I'm smart enough to wear some protective gloves, if you're not, you might find yourself with a splinter. Anyone ever had a splinter? Very, very, very annoying splinter. Visible, yet almost impossible to get to. You've tried tweezers, and in sometimes in the course of trying tweezers, you've had the conversation with yourself, what's worse, leaving the splinter in and the pain that I'm experiencing there or the pain I'm currently experiencing by trying to gouge it out with these stupid tweezers? Here's a life hack for you. Get some baking soda, mix it with some water, let it form a paste, apply that paste onto the splinter and within a few minutes, the splinter will pop out all by itself. Boom. Life hack. I can't believe the level of cynicism that's been rising up. I'm just trying to help you people, all right? And yet every week somebody say, oh, is that fake news? Look, there's a little thing called the internet. You can find us out all by yourself. All right, burns. Anyone ever had a burn? Okay, get a burn. We all know that when you get a burn, you put some cold water on it. We all know that, right? Fine, but what do you do next? Here's where, ah, 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 some, okay, podcast people, some moron in the back said glad rap. And here's the thing, that person, that imbecile actually skipped a very important step. Yes, glad rap is correct, but cold water, then smear, good Yiddish word there, smear some yellow mustard onto the burn and then, Wrap it with Glad Wrap, Cling Wrap, Saran Wrap. Podcast audience, you're welcome. All right, boom, life hack, yellow mustard. There you go, all right, good. Oh, no cynicism on that one, all right. Some of you are gonna go home and scold yourself just to try that one out. That's fine, be my guest. All right, here's one, brain freeze. Now, I occasionally get brain freeze. Maybe I finished a hard training session. I'll make myself a little post-workout smoothie with some frozen blueberries. And yes, the best way to tackle brain freeze is to consume cold things slowly. But we don't always play by that rule, stupid rule. So if you have kind of the slushy, the whatever it happens to be, brain freeze, what you do is you push your tongue firmly against the roof of your mouth. Hold it there and within milliseconds, brain freeze. Boom, life hack. Though, a little bit of bonus content, last uh, episode of Life Hacks, I don't wanna kinda you know, leave you with just those incredibly helpful life hacks. If the tongue thing don't work, you get your thumb and apply it with a bit more pressure into brain freeze. Pain-related life hacks. See, pain is something we all have in common. Maybe it's physical pain. 
And physical pain can come in the form of acute pain where you've done something or had something happen to you that's caused a, ah, which I late last year, kicking a skirting board and fracturing my toe, ah, that was acute pain. Uh, others, it's chronic pain. It's something that you've had for, for weeks and months and sometimes years and you actually forgotten the life before you were experiencing that chronic pain. Physical pain is something we all have in common. The other form of pain typically is emotional pain. And emotional pain could have been caused by something or somebody that hurts you, a circumstance or an individual or a group of people. Could be caused by something that you went through that left you with some emotional pain. Could be that you live with this dark cloud of worry and anxiety and, and, and that's just every day for you when the alarm goes off. The dark clouds already circled and, and, and you live every day with emotional pain. So I wanna talk about that today and see how we can actually hack that. Because there's a cycle of pain. Often when the pain first begins, uh, many of us, we try to ignore it. Step one, try to ignore. Which, if the pain is man flu, we know it's impossible to ignore because man flu is obviously, as we know, life-threatening. So you can't ignore that and nor can everyone around you when you have it and you suck them in to your uh, patheticness. Um, now, mum flu, on the other hand, is something that you're expected to ignore. See, if you've never heard of mum flu or you've never seen the definition, the definition of mum flu is, uh, is uh, you have the same symptoms as man flu, but no one cares. And that's not a judgment call. That means you're still expected to get up and work and, and get that, keep that household moving. And, and you, yeah, no, mum flu, we don't care. So you can ignore that one. But sometimes we, we, we ignore pain based on our upbringing. Some of you maybe had some pretty tough parents and you, when you had some pain, they just simply say, suck it up, keep moving. Or Louisa says to me, T-U-P, toughen up princess. Yeah, not very helpful when you're experiencing pain. I grew up with some pretty tough parents. If I, I, I wasn't allowed to have a day off school unless I could produce a doctor's note with the excuse being that I actually have certified diet. Um, the only time that I'm allowed to have a day of school. But some pain gets to the point where it's impossible to ignore. And so this cycle of pain, we move into the next part of that. We, we start to medicate it. And, and, and medicating pain is not all bad. We believe in healing. We believe that in a God who heals, we believe that part of what Jesus brought that's better with his salvation is healing and we have access to that. And here's the deal. God sometimes does things supernaturally and we can't even explain it and the healing comes. Sometimes God uses doctors and the, and the expertise that he's actually created them with and, and, and what they can produce to bring that healing. It's all good. Um, and, and, and sometimes the medication is the very thing that we need at the beginning of our pain to, to take the edge off things. And when we're experiencing pain, our bodies uh, or our minds out of homeostasis, out of this kind of best case scenario. And sometimes while our body's fighting to get back to homeostasis, having some uh, short-term access to medication can help just give our body the wiggle room or our mind the wiggle room to catch up. But the problem with oftentimes with medicating is uh, some of us take it too far or for too long. And this is often where uh, substance abuse issues come up, uh, either substance abuse of prescription drugs, which is uh, 
astoundingly common, uh, or substance abuse issues of the not so uh, legal or at least not so advisable uh, levels comes in. And the problem when we take medication too far for too long, we're actually starting to use it to mask the pain, and the pain is often still there. <laughs> However, now we've further complicated things. We're not just dealing with the initial pain, we're now dealing with a lot of the fallout that comes with overdoing the medication, the addictions, the destruction that comes with that. And so it's actually important to not ignore pain. It's, it's important to not over-medicate pain. It's actually important to come to a point with our pain where we actually accept it. We actually look at it we actually lift the rock up, we actually identify it, and we actually accept it. I have this pain, this pain is real. But we don't have to live with a defeatist attitude towards accepting it. it, it it's real, but it doesn't have to be permanent. This is not better, this is not final, this is not God's best for me, and so I wanna talk today about how we can hack pain with purpose. Now, if you've got our Elevate app, you can pop that open, tap on the Bible tile, it'll take you to a new version, not a new version of the Bible, it's not like I, got, I was that busy this week writing a new version, <laughs> just a new software version in our, our Bible app, so uh, it's pretty uh, schmicko. Pop that open and it's gonna take you to a letter that a guy named Paul wrote. And uh, by the way, when, when, we, when we teach from the Bible, which we do every week, we like to just give you a little bit of the backstory because one of the mistakes that we can make is we can think that the things we read in the Bible were written by nameless, faceless people, written for nameless, faceless people and written into fictitious, hypothetical, ancient situations. And yet nothing could be further from the truth that when you read the Bible, somebody wrote that. Somebody was inspired by God to pen those thoughts. Somebody said that. Somebody recorded that in history. And, it, and, and whilst it was often recorded and targeted at a specific audience, much of it is, continues to be universal and stuff that we can apply today. And so here's this guy, Paul. Paul started off his kind of Bible prominence being recognized as a Jewish leader. And the Jewish people saw uh, the rise of Christianity as a threat to their kind of power and their regime. And so Paul was one of the leaders in actually trying to quash, trying to actually uh, not just muzzle, but ultimately shut down the, the rise of the early church. And one day he met Jesus miraculously and he realized, oh wow, this Jesus, not just Jesus stuff is real, but Jesus is real, the story's real. And uh, let's just say he did a 180 and went from persecuting the church and trying to shut it down to actually trying to expand the church with everything he had. And he would launch churches in various key cities of the known world. He would raise up a leader or a group of leaders and he would he'd mentor them and he, he would hand the local leadership off to them and then he'd move on to, to, to start a new church elsewhere. But he'd keep in touch with these churches. He kept this kind of mentorship uh, role with them. And one of the churches is a church in Greece, a church in a place called Corinth. And this letter comes uh, for, is a letter that Paul wrote to them. And with his letters, sometimes it was instructional. So you read the letters that Paul wrote and it's, it's stuff about do this, don't do this, think this, this is a better way, some very practical stuff. Some of it's updates. Some of it's updates of good news. Hey, we went here, we did this, God did this, this was amazing, this is fantastic. And some of the updates, on the other hand, were like, hey guys, you, can't, you won't believe what just happened to us here. And, and because Paul 
whilst he used to be the one dishing out the punishment, he used to be the one trying to shut down the early church, he now found himself on the receiving end of that. And a lot of his updates were, were, were about stormy seas that he physically experienced in his travels. And a lot of it were also stormy seas that he uh, metaphorically experienced because of the persecution that he had. And he found himself in prison on multiple occasions and physically tortured on multiple occasions. And this was some of what he wrote about. But he always, when he wrote these updates, he tried to bring something out of them that wasn't just about, please feel sorry for me, uh, please have sympathy for me. You know, he, might, he would ask them to pray, of course. Um, but, but, God, but, but Paul would, would look into not just why some of the bad news was happening, but what, what might God wanna do with that? How can God hack the pain with purpose? And so we'll pick this up in verse eight. And this is what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. We don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all of this, the, 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 the bad stuff, and I'll come back to that, came down in us in Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were gonna make it. And right there, I wonder how many of us can identify with it. I wonder how many of us have ever been in a situation that was so painful, physical or emotional, and you were wondering if you were ever gonna make it that that there was no light at the end of the tunnel, or if it was, you thought it was a train coming the other way. Well, Paul has got something in common with you, and you've got something in common with Paul. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. Well, <laughs> as it turned out, <laughs> who knew? The best thing that could have happened. Because instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced... It's one thing that when, when God's, not only is he your last resort, but you discover he's your only resort because you know that nothing else is gonna get you out of it. Well, Paul's telling us that that's not actually a bad thing. We were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. He rescued us from certain doom. And uh, by the way, uh, he'll do it again. He'll rescue us as many times as we need rescuing. See, Paul learned in these trials, in this pain, he learned a very important lesson. And it's simply this, reliance. Reliance. This is the lesson that will cause you and I to become unshakable. Reliance. Now it's a difficult lesson if you've never been through a valley before, because you walk through a valley for the first time in your life. And by the way, this happens when you're very young. It's not, you don't you know, experience your first valley until in your 40s, you experience your first valley far earlier than that. But when you walk into your first valley, where you've found yourself in a situation where you were wondering if you were gonna come out the other side, where you realize that your own wits and your own strength wasn't gonna get you through. When you come through a valley for the first time, you might be a little bit shakable because you don't have the CV like Paul's got, the CV that has experienced God bringing you through the other side of the valley. But when you have experienced that, when we have experienced God walking through us and leading us through the valley and bringing us out the other side, and we look back 
and the takeaway lesson is reliance, then when we come to the next valley, we say, man, I'm gonna put my reliance, my trust in the God who raised Jesus from the dead. I'm gonna place my trust, my reliance in the God who brought me through the last valley. And I believe that he's the same God that brought me through the last valley and he brought me through the last valley and he'll do it again in this valley and he'll rescue me as many times into the future as I need rescuing. So then I become and you become and we become unshakable when we learn the lesson of reliance. The problem is too often we want to learn the lesson without experiencing the pain. But God doesn't actually always take us, take the pain away or shield us from the pain. He does sometimes. Sometimes he allows us to experience the pain because he wants us to ultimately walk out of the valley with the lesson. And the lesson is reliance. Now, I wanna back up for those of you, new thing in the app, bottom right-hand corner, little three dots in a square, tap that, it'll magically open the whole chapter up for you. I won't say that every week. You're all smart, you would've figured it out for yourself. While you're doing that, I'm gonna drink coffee. Back up to verse three in the letter, just, just earlier in the letter, Paul wrote this, all praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. This is a pretty good job description that God's got right here. I love it. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times and before you know it, he brings us, us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. See, not only is there a cycle of pain, trying to ignore it, trying to medicate it, ultimately accepting it, now we get some insight into a cycle of comfort. And the cycle of comfort is that while we're in the pain, while we're walking through this valley, that actually God comes alongside us. And, and, and let me give you a little bit of, uh, you know, well, validate that the time and money I spent at Bible college was worth something. Um, the Greek word for the Holy Spirit, for God's Holy Spirit, the Greek word is parakletos, which uh, Greek word parakletos, we would translate into English, which is weird when you say that, just, just you know, is paraclete, not parakeet, paraclete. And paraclete is a word describing God's Holy Spirit. It means one who comforts, one who comes alongside. And the reason I say that isn't to impress you with my extensive Greek. Okay, we have Greeks here. They're, they're shocked and ashamed of me right now. Um, looking down their very long noses at me right now. Um, <laughs> look, I had to say that. I had to say that. One of them's coming to lunch at my house. It could be a very awkward lunch, but uh, I had to say that because the Winter Olympics happened this week and there was a, there was a French couple and, and I watched, I don't know what came over me. I watched some of the ice skating. I gotta know, I don't know. I mean, boy, boy, was I having a very boring week when I thought this will pick me up. Ice skating, anyway, figure skating. So, but I was watching and a French couple came out, but you know, Europe, everyone's moved around and all the rest of it, lots of in reading and uh, so um, the French couple came out and the girl had a Greek surname and I'm like ah yeah you might be French but I bet you've got a Greek background and all I did was wait for her to pivot side on and there it was <laughs> proof proof she was Greek anyway you're welcome Parakletos. So the reason I say that is because we can uh, learn that that comfort 
isn't just what God does, it's actually who he is. He's not someone who comforts, he's the comforter. He's not someone, just someone who counsels, he's the counselor. It's, it's inherent, it's baked into who he is. And, and, and the exciting thing is that the, the, the beginning of the cycle of comfort is that when we're in pain, when we don't know if we're gonna make it out, when we're in our darkest times, God comes alongside us. God sends his Holy Spirit who doesn't just do comfort and do counseling. He is comfort. He is counselor. Then thus begins the cycle of comfort. He walks us through. He walks with us. He doesn't always take the pain away straight away. He doesn't always block us from experiencing the pain in the first place, but he doesn't leave us alone in our pain and he doesn't leave us permanently in our pain. He comes alongside us. So we don't have to walk through pain and endure pain in our own strength. We don't have to just try and get out the other side merely relying on our own wits. And that was the lesson that Paul learned and the lesson that he wrote to teach us. The, the, the cycle of comfort, however, doesn't stop with God's Holy Spirit walking us through our pain. The cycle of comfort is that when we get to a place where, where we're actually through that valley, where we're actually starting to experience emerging from that valley, that now, now we're qualified now we're equipped to be a comforter for others. We are now equipped to be used by God to be of comfort and a comforter to other people. And one of the greatest things when you find somebody who's in pain, you can say to them, I've been there and God brought me through it. And I believe God can bring you through it too. And so I'm gonna walk you through it. You, you, you may have experienced a divorce and, and it was painful. And, and, and whilst you won't and don't want to go through that again, and whilst you don't wish that upon the people in your world, as and when that happens, and, and you're someone who God's brought you through that pain, you can be someone that God uses to comfort and come alongside someone else. The cycle of comfort. And one of the mistakes we make is when we come through the valley and God walks us through and brings us through the valley is, is we get to the other side, we think that's the finish line, but it's not. It's just a mile marker. It's a mile marker and the journey continues, but the journey now becomes something that we're better equipped for to come alongside other people, that we can be used by God to come through. When we're in pain, we want, some, we want God to do something for us which is healing and restoration. And so God does that. He starts to do something in us, healing and restoration. And then God says, yeah, but I'm, that's not the end of the story here. Now, you're positioned to see God do something through you and, and hack that pain with purpose, to actually repurpose something that was broken, something that was damaged, that's now been restored, but it just hasn't been restored so you can look shiny and new again, it's been restored. So now you can live with greater purpose and you can take that and be, re and be used by God. Because there's a lot of things that I haven't been through. And one of the expressions I use very selectively when someone's sharing with me about their pain, I use very selectively, is the words, 
I understand. I use that expression very selectively. It's easy to say, but most of the time it's not true. Someone starts telling me about their divorce looming on the horizon. I don't say I understand because despite some people advising her otherwise, Louis has stuck with me for 20 years. And I say to her, sweetheart, if you ever leave me, I'm coming too. So she, divorce isn't in our rear view mirror and it's not in, in our future. But here's the thing, if, if it is for you, I can't, I can't identify with that pain specifically. I can appreciate you're in pain, but, I, but you know who can? Someone that God's brought through the valley of divorce. And you can bring a next level understanding and a next level connection and you can find that the pain that you went through can be repurposed to help bring healing and restoration to somebody else. You've been through emotional or physical abuse. I haven't. So if you tell me that story, I won't say I understand because I don't. But if you have and God's brought you through that, well, you, you don't wanna go through it again and, and, and maybe God won't allow you to go through that again. But if you've been brought through that and healed and restored, you're now equipped to see God do something through you. And that is to come along, alongside other people who have experienced emotional and or physical abuse. I've uh, been fired before. So if you come and tell me that you've been fired, you know what I'm gonna say to you? I understand. I will say that, and, 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 and God might very well use me and has many times used me to be someone that he works through to come alongside that person who's just lost their job. We've lost substantial amounts of money in a season of our life, and so, so you know, we, we, we went 18 months just trying to kind of keep food on the table uh, for a season of our life, and so if that's your story and you share that with me, I can say to you, I understand, and maybe God's gonna use me to help come alongside you and, and come through that. Uh, we got blown out of a church. We, we got so abused, if not physically, but situationally, we got so abused in a church, it blew us off the battlefield and put us in the mash unit for over a year. And some of you have been blown out of a church because of some knucklehead or group of knuckleheads. And you found yourself off the battlefield. And guess what? As in when you share that story with me, I'm gonna judge you. You know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna say, yeah, I understand. In fact, many of you, I know your story, and some of you, that is your story, that you were part of a church and you were invested and you were contributing and then bam, you got blown off the battlefield for whatever reason and God's actually using Elevate to be a safe place for you to dip your toe back in the water. And I love that because Elevate's led by a couple who, when it comes to having been blown out of the waters of a church, <laughs> we understand. And, and, and we are thrilled and grateful that God would use us to walk you into the next chapter of your life. Now, there is a caveat here. If you're in the valley currently, like if that's your situation right now or when you find yourself in the next valley, that might not be the most opportune time for you to be asking the question, what is God gonna do through me? Your focus might be better placed on God. I, I just, I'm gonna kind of stay here in the mash unit for this season and, I'd, and pray that you'll heal me and, and restore me and I'll come out and, 
and allow you to work through me. And, that, and that's fine. There's no judgment for people that are in the MASH unit for a season. But again, that's not the finish line. In fact, this is a, a, a key message of Jesus that we actually, when we give our life away, that's when we find it. When we give our life away, that's when we find purpose. When we take the pain that we've experienced and we actually give that away, we, we, we actually are, are not ashamed of our story, we're actually generous with our story and generous with our time and generous with our unconditional love that God can use us at a, a very next level. Um, our Elevate Youth team, who, by the way, are just killing it at the moment, and killing it is, that's a good thing, right, Jordan? Killing it, killing it, yeah. They're, they're, they're fully sick, mate, um, which is good, right? Um, a, a few of our Elevate Youth, we got an incredible Elevate Youth team. A few of them, early on when they were kind of considering joining our Elevate Youth team, said to us, told us a bit of their backstory when they were teenagers, and it was dark, and there was pain. And, and they said, oh, we probably shouldn't be orbiting around teenagers because of our painful experience as a teenager. And we said to them, man, no, you are, you are uber qualified to get alongside high schoolers because you're not in that situation and you can give high schoolers that God's bringing to us who are in pain in their own circumstances, you can actually come alongside them. So don't think that, not only don't think that, that your painful backstory disqualifies you, it actually makes you more qualified to connect with a certain group of our high schoolers in a certain stage of life. By the way, let me just add into this because sometimes we glamorize hookers and cocaine um, and, 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 and I love the stories of God delivering people from hookers and cocaine. Uh, it's a great story. Um, and, and we celebrate the, the deliverance from that. We also celebrate the, the, the stories of the person that followed Jesus and never got into hookers and cocaine in the first place. It's an equally powerful story, you understand? So not all of our Elevate Youth team were into hookers and cocaine. It's a metaphor, by the way. Uh, some of our Elevate Youth team, their story with the teenagers is, you know what? You don't actually have to go down that path in the first place. So don't think like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to go out to Northbridge tonight to kind of get a little story going and then God might actually use me. No, you got a story. It could be you didn't ever have to have an ambulance at the bottom of the hill because Jesus put a fence up at the top. That could be your story. It's a great story. You don't have to fish for like fake news to be used by God. But if that's your story, that's, then you are qualified, your position. So I wanna get real practical right now. Last week, we, we talked about not judging and I, I, I challenged us and invited us to leave this place, having made the decision in this place to live free from being someone who judges other people in your family, in your workplace, wherever it is. And, and, and we can't measure that. Follow you around, spy cam. But I trust that, that, that some people made that decision and actually did that last week. We talked about forgiving people, some trusting that some people, some of our people were in here last Sunday holding on to unforgiveness and that if we make this decision in this moment, in this space, in this sacred moment, we can actually release that person and trust that it's not our job to give them what they deserve and live free from that. And then we also talked about being generous with our finances, what Jesus talked about, give and it'll be given back to you. And that is one metric we can measure because 
the money is, comes into a bank account. And uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled that our treasurer, Neil Watson, uh, pinged me on Monday and just said, look, you know, this, this giving came in over the weekend. And, and I'm like, it, 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 wow. It's, money's measurable, but it's not, the, the win's not the money. The win is that people took next steps, that people got practical. And so what I wanna do this morning is get practical. We're gonna stand in a moment and we're gonna sing this song or part of this song, Resurrecting. I know it's not called that, but I don't know the names of any of our songs. But then again, I'm not on our music team, so I don't need to. Um, which we're all very grateful for. <laughs> uh, you know, Jesus was nailed to a cross and, and, and whilst in that moment He was fully God, He was also fully human. But God repurposed that pain with resurrection. And now we can follow a Saviour, Jesus, who isn't just theoretical when we go through pain or understand. No, He does understand because He went through pain the worst possible pain, worse than almost anything, if not anything you and I could even conceivably think of, let alone go through. God repurposed that with resurrection. So this morning, you might have some pain. You might've come in here with some pain, or maybe as I've been talking about pain, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'd kind of try to ignore that, but I, don't, I, I can't ignore that. I need to actually accept that. Then, then let's sing this. Let's declare this. Let this be our victory song. Let's be, let this be our victory song. Or some of you, you're in that pain and, 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 and this is a cry for you to experience that victory. Let's declare that this morning. And then for others of you, you've come through the valley, but you've, you, you wondered if that was all in vain, if that divorce was all in vain, if that financial crisis was all in vain, if that job loss was all in vain, if that loss of that close family member was all in vain, if that pain that you experienced in your past that you've been brought through was all in vain, then, I, then I'm gonna pray that you would have a new perspective, a fresh perspective, a fresh, uh, that God would open your eyes to opportunity of what having done something for you and in you, He now wants to do through you. So let's stand and not led by me. Let's sing, let's sing. Let's declare victory over our past. Let's declare victory over our pain. Let's declare victory over our pain.